Hi, this is Jake Turner for the Turning Points Podcast. This is where you're going to find the best guest, Charles Davis, analyst for Fox Sports and NFL Network. He's Arifa Sun, uh, AAF writer and Vikings writer for The Athletic, and takes you won't find anywhere else. You're not buying into the uh, Kevin Durant, Patrick Beverly feud? No. I think that's a joke. I think that's about as big of a joke as when Richard Karn hosted Family Feud for that year. Find this podcast and subscribe to it to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It's time to get to both sides of the story. With the NFL draft just a few days away, I love it how the national media continues to say, ah, aside from Kyler Murray, there's nothing really for me to say. Okay, maybe that just shows that just how uninformative that you are going forward with this. But uh, that's a story for another time. I had on Andy Herman at Cheesehead TV to break down the Packers draft. And uh, about to bring on my good friend Rudy Reyes uh, to talk uh, some Steelers draft. But some breaking news just came in just before I was about to bring Rudy on. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks have made a trade. Okay, so they couldn't wait till Thursday night to do this. That's my question first off, because, I mean, the NFL draft's one of the most talked about things in the NFL. But the Chiefs and the Seahawks do this a couple days before. And I, I don't know what to say about it first off. I mean, Frank Clark, very good football player. Don't get me wrong. Good edge rusher. But this is what the Chiefs gave up for him. Their 2019 first-round pick, a 2020 second-round pick, and they're going to switch out third-round picks in 2019. Okay, first off, like I said, I don't understand why this trade was not done during the draft. And secondly, that's way too much. And also, there's another thing called off-the-field trouble with Frank Clark. But the Chiefs are known for, you know, pushing that off-the-field stuff under the rug. But that's a story for another time. Thought it'd be a perfect time now to bring on Rudy Reyes of the Rude Dog Podcast. Uh, he's interviewed the likes of... Tyson Alalu, and of course, Hall of Fame running back Jerome Bettis, and he joins us on the line here. Rudy, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Jake. Uh, you know, breaking news is always good if it's not broken. Uh, this this deal is a done deal. Frank Clark at 6'3", 265 is a guy, uh, and you're talking about off-field stuff. Let's focus on the on-field. We talk about the off-field okay. after. But on-field, for him, he's done relatively Decent. I mean, he had, you know, word number 55. He played in 16 games. He started in 16 games. He had one interception. The guy's production has gone up and up and up. But off-field things continue to kind of follow him as it does Luke Walton for the Lakers. Not that we're talking about Touché. NBA, but as far as troubles concerned in, in the sports genre, uh, you can find Clark at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> up and running, Rudy. <laughs> Uh, Frank Clark, I mean, like I said, I think he's a very good football player coming off a 13-sack season. I mean, he has 35 in his career in the last four years. Uh, I think it's a, a nice story, but I, that, like I said, the two things, I don't understand why they didn't wait till the draft. I mean, the, according to the national media, the draft is boring. This could have been a big blockbuster trade and, you know, could have really helped out the draft going forward. But, you know, that's what happens. So, Rudy Reyes of the Rude Dog Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at, at @RudeDogReyes, and he joins us on the line here. Uh, Rudy, let's talk about first up. I, I got to know this. What came up with the nickname Rude Dog? <laughs> That's probably one of the better questions I've had in a while. One of those original ones, Jake. So, thanks I do. for that. Uh, happened a long time ago, and 
my best friend actually dubbed me the name, and uh, he's a very good friend of mine, and I've known him for a very long time, and he had uh, just one day turn around and said, what do you want, Rude Dog? And I said, oh, okay. Uh, the only person that's ever called me that is him. So when I thought of nicknames, when I thought of uh, concepts back in 2014, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to call this the Rudy Reyes podcast or whatever? I just thought it was really bland and dry. And I thought of something a little bit more mouthwatering. I thought the Rude Dog show was perfect. Wow, that's really cool. Well, I mean, the thing that I know about you, I mean, we had you on the last podcast and you were really passionate about your takes. So you had some really good stuff on, uh, you know, with Antonio Brown leaving for Oakland and all good stuff there. So, I mean, I'm just glad to have you back on here. Let's talk about Steelers draft. Typhoon uh, Brown, as you said, and Hurricane Bell are out the door now. The Steelers have the number 20 pick. If you are the general manager of the Steelers, who are you drafting? You know, there's so many needs on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think it's about defensive production, but don't forget they added Steven Nelson in the secondary from Kansas City, aforementioned Chiefs, and they uh, re they, they had signed Dante Moncrief, who did so many great things for Jacksonville uh, last year, and of course with the Indianapolis Colts, famously with the Colts, I should say, as he received balls from <laughs> guys like Pete Manning. But right. uh, they, they really did a lot of great things in free agency. Steelers historically not doing a whole lot in free agency and i think they feel the deficiencies in the cornerback position if i was a gm if i was kevin colbert which i'm not because well we could be related because <laughs> he doesn't have any hair i don't uh he's a guy i really think that can make that right move and i think they go with the cornerback position why they did that last year with terrell edmonds i had a chance to interview terrell edmonds great guy he's very fluid uh, right out of Virginia Tech, a, a guy who can fit and, and grow. And as the season progresses, exactly what Terrell Edmonds did. They need that in this draft. They need that kind of fluency. I think they go cornerback in the first pick, again, opposite of Terrell Edmonds. Now, don't forget, they, they signed Mike Hilton two-year deal, the aforementioned Tyson Alualu, which I had on the show.com. You can check out that interview there at any time. Uh, they, they signed a two-year deal with him, bringing him back after coming in uh, over from Jacksonville just, just two years ago. Uh, I, I like the Mark Barron deal. He played a little bit in the Super Bowl, the losing Super Bowl, I should say, on the losing end of the Super Bowl. He's not a very happy guy about losing, but then again, who is? But this is a win-loss league. So Mark Barron comes over uh, in, in the, for the inside linebacker position, but I like his diversity, and we don't really have to go into that here, but I, I think that he provides a lot of depth in at least two different positions as a hybrid linebacker as well as safety. Uh, they went ahead and uh, re-signed Anthony Ciccolo. He made some impact plays. Last year, Ramon Foster, they tied him up to help give Ben that, that protection uh, to not really go into a hole. But offensive line production is, is necessary. Steelers were top three in the NFL in regards to keeping Ben upright without you know fumbles and things of that nature. But Ben did that on his own by throwing interceptions. So, uh, Steelers doing a lot on the offensive line. Uh, and of course, Jordan Berry, uh, another deal. I, I, I like Jordan Berry. He's a, he's a solid kicker, but they had, you know, kicker issues from, from the word go later on in the season where he really couldn't afford to do so. Uh, and of course, Keon Adams comes over, uh, 13 sacks and he'll be reunited with, uh, Chukwuma Okorafor, uh, who was a Steelers third round pick last year. So, I think that the Steelers are beefing up 
defensively. They recognize the defense wins championships. This could be an old remedy to a disease that's been striking the Steelers for so long. You had mentioned Antonio Brown, who's gone. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, who's gone. Of course, when they left, it was a path of destruction exiting the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, of course, Le'Veon Bell uh, not picking up his mess and Brown just making more of it after the fact. But Le'Veon Bell now in New York. He received slightly less money. Uh, you can break it down however you want, but he received less money. And, and Antonio Brown, of course, a massive payday for him, a big increase uh, t- to a team that found itself out of the playoffs and out of any playoff picture for the last five seasons, at least. Uh, Derek Hard, not really the kind of guy you're looking for. Will the Raiders move up? But, you know, all situational stuff. But again, if I was a general manager and I'm thinking defense, Mm-hmm. Now, yes, they lost Antonio Brown, and Steelers will end up picking up a wide receiver. There's plenty of talent. They found Antonio Brown in the sixth pick. I, there's no way you can't tell me that the Steelers are not for thinking this. You can you can put all the draft boards aside. You can put the crystal balls away. And when it's all said and done, maybe even the New Year's <laughs> Eve ball, because that's going to drop on draft day. So <laughs> Steelers are picking it up. They're going to get a cornerback in the second round. Then they'll go after a wide receiver. Look, the, the, the Steelers are stacked. The issue was in the locker room. It was with the lack of cohesion. It was a lack of leadership. And, of course, Mike Tomlin doesn't want to talk about how he was a part of that dysfunction, junction, as it were, in the Steelers' locker room there in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. So as a coach, you have to take ownership. Players are starting to take ownership. A lot of people defending Ben. Players defending Ben. Ramon Foster I've had on the RudeDogShow.com. He's been on here as well. Uh, These guys are all defending him. All defending him. All right. Uh, so, when I see him, I mean Roethlisberger. So Steelers draft corner first, wide receiver second. I would say go after an RB in the third. Um, and then everything else is just kind of gravy from, from from that point. And will they make it in training camp? That's another story as well. Rudy Reyes of uh, the Rude Dog Podcast uh, joining us here on Turning Points where we tell both sides of the story so let's go both sides of the story and ask, uh, what are the chances of the Steelers trading up or trading down in the first? You know, I like the trading up aspect. I've always been a fan of trading up, especially when the draft itself is not very deep on, on one on, on either side of the ball. right? We think about offense. We think about all these guys who are going to hopefully get that phone call, whether they're at home or in church or at the draft itself in the first round at least. Because we know uh, last year the first overall pick was not there. Um, I like I like the team. I like where they're going. I, I, I like where they're headed. I mean, they, they didn't look very good last year, nine six and one. Year before that, um, you know, they had Super Bowl aspirations that got quashed as well. Um, so I like the team. I, I, I like where they're going, and I think the draft will definitely provide Kevin Colbert an internal look of moving up. I would move up being again, being Kevin Colbert have this non hair thing going on. We had that in common. Uh, but I think what we also have in common is likely to moving up. I think they will. Okay. So my question is though, while you do bring up very good points about Mark Barron coming in and Steven Nelson coming in, I look at the two main focuses of this season coming in and that is Mike Tomlin head coach and defensive coordinator, Keith Butler if the Steelers cannot get back to the playoffs, what does that mean for this offseason then? Well, that, that means, a gosh, that, that opens up Pandora's box, and that being a black and gold box, if, if, you're, if you're a Steelers fan, what that really tells you 
is that the the types of picks, the reacquisition, and using that that last year option on guys like Bud Dupree coming out of Kentucky, he had a lot of great aspirations moving forward. His but production last year was all situational. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been but a bust. I, I definitely, yeah, yeah, exactly. So whether he's a bust or not will be determined by this year. Everybody remembers um, uh, Sackman Jones, if you will. Uh, and, and, and what aspirations they had for him coming out of Georgia. The problem is, is that again, I don't know if enough scouting is being done, if enough questions are being asked from a scouting standpoint, you know, they do pre pre-draft interviews on these guys. You, you got to really pin them against the wall and find out what you're really getting. Uh, but what that means for the Steelers, if they don't get to the playoffs is that the scouting was, has, has been very poor a, as of late. But in addition to that, don't forget Kevin Colbert's picks have been, hit miss for the last five Agreed. to seven years. Um, so it's really going to be the telltale sign as to whether or not Kevin Colbert will still be around as general manager. If this upcoming season is a bust for this team. And then that's, and so that's my thought there. I mean, I think James Washington showed a couple of uh, spurts here and there. I mean, TJ Watt is, is really shown that, you know, he's a stud. He's a stud. He's going to be there for quite some time. He's perfect to fit in Pittsburgh, but you know, with this season coming up, the Browns got better. The Bengals are going to be worse. The Ravens are sneaky good right now. Why should people put in stock to the Steelers? Well, I mean, you got to look at you. You have to look at numbers. You have to look at okay. historical value. You always want to go back and and state that. Well, you know, just because the Steelers were nine six and one didn't mean they didn't have the talent. Mm-hmm. That just means they were too distracted to use that talent to get to the next level. Don't forget, they open up against Cleveland, they lose, or they tie that game. And to me, a tie is a loss. Because at the end of the day, that could affect your positioning, whether you do or do not get in. And that's exactly what happened. Cleveland goes into Baltimore and has a chance to beat them to send the Steelers to the playoffs to act as a spoiler didn't happen. So once you become reliant on on another team to win, to move them out of position and get you in position, you got bigger problems. You do. So aside from the wake of the Frank Clark trade and the big money that he's about to make, I mean, $105 million, $63 million guaranteed. However, the Steelers continue to stay the course. You know, throughout the years of Art Rooney, Dan Rooney, and all that, how does Kevin Colbert be able to bring in good talent like that on such cheap uh, contracts? Well, I think it's it, it's about knowing where you're at. You have to look at okay. the you have to look at your available cap. You have to look at what's going to count against that. Antonio Brown counts against that. Le'Veon Bell counts against that. Uh, there there are a, a lot of budgetary uh, tweaks that are going to have to be made in order to to keep the because again everybody I don't know if anybody knows this but the NFL gives teams this a certain amount of money a certain percentile in order to get these these guys in and to help them kind of jumpstart in, in their rookie season. So with that in mind, the Steelers themselves, to keep the players that they have, we were talking about Ramon Foster, bringing an event like Dante Moncrief, Steven Nelson, who's had playoff experience a couple years in a row. So they're, they're able to find certain gems, the, the Mark Barons with Super Bowl experience. Again, it's about experience. It's about depth. And I think that the Steelers are not going to be in such a panic mode on the defensive side of the ball than they are on the offensive side of the ball. And that's why I'm stating that the Steelers are going to pick up a, a wide receiver or a slot guy on the outside or maybe even an RB who can do the Le'Veon Bell-esque type of things that the Steelers 
have been known for within the last you know three to five years. What are the players telling you about the locker room right now without Le'Veon and Antonio? You know, it's kind of interesting you should ask that question because uh, amongst that, it, it doesn't seem there doesn't seem to be any serious discord right now it, because it's all about a, a, a shift of the mindset. It's about the ideological look of this is who we are. This is not what we used to be. This is not who we used to be. We changed our mindset, and with that comes the understanding that we have to move forward and we have to be progressive. And I think the Steelers, uh, as we had stated earlier, Antonio Brown finding his way out uh, to Oakland, of course, soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders in 2020, um, and Le'Veon Bell going over to the New York Jets, who may not get the kind of protection uh, that he's looking for on that offensive side of the ball. Um, but with that being said, I, I think that the Steelers are, are moving in the right direction. You're talking about Frank Clark and how he got that monster money. I don't think Frank Clark is worth that kind of money, and the Steelers will not pay that kind of money. And we found out with Le'Veon Bell, that's one of the reasons why he exited. Antonio Brown was paid accordingly and maybe shortened by a couple of, of a million dollars, uh, which is like chump change to you and me, not and uh, found <laughs> found his way to payday. The Steelers know how to fly under the radar. They've done it year in and year out, and that's one of the reasons. One of the reasons, of course, there's many more of them, uh, why the Steelers are the, well, the, the most winningest franchise in NFL history, despite New England uh, finally get to their fifth right. Lombardi beating the Rams. Yes, and the craziest thing, I go all the way back to when Mike Wallace was trying to lock up. And I always say to people that the two teams that you just can't negotiate with anymore is the Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to stick to what they believe is working now. So Green Bay, you know, they're going to a transitional period. They're in a season of change. But the Steelers, and it goes back to the days of Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace wanted a big money contract. They tried to give him something. Wallace said no. He said signs a one-year, $2.7 million tender. And they give the money to the fourth-round draft pick, Antonio Brown, instead at that point. And now you got the same situation. So, I mean, you wouldn't be a bit surprised if you see Juju Smith-Schuster be able to take the money that they were going to give Antonio Brown going forward. And, I mean, that's the thing with the Steelers that really impresses me about this. But as you mentioned earlier about Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, and Keith Butler, defensive coordinator, which I am always going to say, uh, Rude Dog, is I am not a fan of Keith Butler. I am not a fan of the way he runs defense. I'm not a way because I am not watching Steelers defense anymore. I'm just watching a bunch of guys playing the Steelers, I guess, as a role right now, and I really don't uh, like that. So, again, I mean, it's kind of crazy to me. Well, I, look, Keith Butler, learn under guys like Dick LeBeau. I had a chance to meet Dick LeBeau. Both have you know great, great mindsets. Was but amazing. I think where, yes. where the Steelers could have went wrong on the defensive side of the ball was they were trying to do too much. And meaning that I think Keith Butler could have gotten tripped up on his own accord trying to think this 3-4-4-3 situation is actually going to work. The problem is, is that it didn't really come to fruition. Uh, teams took advantage of that with those chunk plays. That was my question to, to Tyson Alawalu yesterday on the Root Dog Show. Was that uh, you know how do you prevent that? What do you do moving forward? What does this team go after to draft? And he said, look, he said we just have to we just have to finish games. We have to finish games. We have to do a better job 
in coverage situations, and you can hear the interview on the RudeDogShow.com on the sports page. Uh, and to be honest with you, uh, Steelers themselves, as far as pass rush, uh, passes blocked, uh, being able to stop the long ball for the most part, despite, again, not recognizing they needed to change formations or go from man to zone or uh, uh, man to, uh, you know, situational football for the Steelers has not been very good within recent memory. Why? Because they don't have the personnel. And it showed after 2014 when the great uh, free safety, Troy Polamalu, decided to hang up the cleats and call it a day. Mm-hmm. And when I when I think about the, the coverage situations, when you don't have a guy like Troy and you don't have a guy like Ryan Shazier, again, this all the dialogue I'm telling you is on my interview with Tyson Alualu of the Steelers. Um, but you look, Steelers try to fill those gaps. They brought back a familiar face. Didn't quite work out. You, it, it's going to be hard to, to get guys like that in any draft. I mean, guys like Troy Polo, guys like Antonio Brown, at least from an athletic standpoint, maybe not a, a personal standpoint, because it just it, whenever I, I look at that mustache, I think of a walrus. But um, you know, just a, a lot of different <laughs> scenarios the Steelers were not good in situationally on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, Ben just has to do a better job taking care of the ball. That's all there's to it. You can't throw in a triple coverage. He has to. He has to be better than that. I think he can. I don't know that he will necessarily, but I think he can. And I think the bigger question is whether or not they can. They can really shine through and start anew by not having both Bell and Brown. Despite their athletic gifts and what they bring to this offense, I think the Steelers will still be very good. You mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster. Had a stellar year last year. It was a shame that he wasn't voted into the Pro Bowl. He just got in because somebody said, I'm good. I don't want to play. So, But be honest with you, Juju belonged there the entire time. And, you know, you you have guys who've been locked up by the Steelers uh, in order to give them that kind of uh, still fast edge, fast play type of uh, type situation. And again, we're talking about situational football. Steelers really need, need to do a much better job in, uh, in, 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 in pass rush situations. Because again, you're putting all the pressure up front. So you're going to disable that quarterback for being able to get the ball in a timely manner if the pass rush is there. And of course, you have to have better coverage. And it all goes back to the beginning of this conversation when the Steelers need to go with their first overall pick in the quarterback position. He's Rudy Reyes of the Road Dog Podcast, joining me here on Turning Points, where we tell both sides of the story. Uh, before we wrap up here, Rudy, favorite Steelers player you've interviewed? Oh, you had to put me on the spot with that one. But another good question, Jake, no doubt about it. Uh, there are so many, there's so many of them that I have the pleasure of interviewing. Um, a favorite. Oh, my gosh. Uh that's got to be tough. So the in-person <laughs> interview with Ryan Shazier or my interview with Jerome Bettis? I'm torn. I'm really Ooh. torn. Uh, but 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 you have to throw Heath Miller in there because I interviewed Heath as well. Uh, I I got to go with the bus. I got to go with the bus. There there's no way <laughs> there's no way around that. I think Jerome Bettis was um, you know six-time leading rusher. He's a great guy. He does a lot of great things for kids uh, throughout Detroit as well as the Pittsburgh area uh, with kids kids who have asthma because uh, he had it uh, it probably still does to some extent but considering he doesn't run the ball anymore I don't know how much asthma would affect him uh, a, a very a very special guy uh, and, and, and you don't find those guys on trees like the, the mean Joe Greens and the Troy Palomalus or 
uh, the Terry Bradshaws or the Jack Lamberts or the Jack Hams uh, of the world. I think this NFL draft for, for the Steelers specifically will be more designed on not getting the best player available, but getting the best position player that fits your system who's available. And if they follow that route without worrying about draft boards and, and cards or you know hats with rabbits jumping out of them or anything like that, I think the Steelers will find what they're looking for in this year's draft to get them back on, back on top along with the other pieces that are currently there. Rudy, great stuff as always, and uh, thank you for joining us here on Turning Points. I'm excited to see what the Steelers do with pick number 20. You got it. I am as well. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate that. Everybody should go to uh, SimkovichCranialInstitute.com, proud sponsor of the Root Dog Show. And in addition, go through me a follow, as you were saying earlier, Jake, at Root Dog Reyes on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook, and uh, you can always go to the RootDogShow.com. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Jake. Thanks for the thanks for the time. All right, that was Rudy Reyes uh, of the Rude Dog Podcast. Uh, man, it, it is crazy. I've when I first met this guy, I did some research and just some of the interviews that he's done. Jerome Bettis, Tyson Alalu, and of course he he talks about Ryan Shazier, and he's always just a guy to go to to talk Steelers. So I'm really glad he came on here. As our NFL draft uh, blowout continues, we've had Andy Herman of Cheesehead TV uh, covering the Green Bay Packers. And now we had Rudy Reyes to bring some Pittsburgh Steelers. So when we come back, we're going to have Zach Pearson of the Bears Report. He's going to talk about the Chicago Bears. They're in an interesting situation with the Khalil Mack trade. Where do the Bears go next? We'll have that coming at you. Coming up on Turning Points, where we tell both sides of the story. And I'm Jake Turner. You're listening to it right here on iTunes. iTunes.